Welcome to Derail Trains of Thought. back. Uh, this is episode 18. This is Nick Hayden, a.k.a. Jose Chen. And this is Timothy Deal, a.k.a. Wap538's Los. Wow. We're really <laughs> out there today. Yeah. <laughs> so what's yours there, Tim? Well, it's another one from the uh, Plain Pretend days. It's a, it's a character I had. It sound like an assassination robot from Star Wars. <laughs> I think the idea was to make it like a code name that no one could possibly guess. So I could, <laughs> So I just strung together parts of Spanish names with a couple random numbers thrown in. Nice. So I will have to apologize. Mine is not actually a nickname. I mean, I think at the end of nicknames. But it is kind of a corporate name. My siblings and I, one time we were going to create this comedy show. And we were going to call it Jose Chan Sweet Yesterday. Which I thought was hilarious. So we were, you know, Jose Chan. Like Monty Python, you know. Uh, so, Jose sounds, Chan, yeah. That sounds, you could have saved that for a Crackpot's Corner, you know. Well, that's true. Well, I can bring the idea up again, <laughs> you know. Well, but then it's not new. Oh, Crackpot Corner has to be new? Well, <laughs> new to the podcast, that's true. anyway. Actually, I had, a cra- I had a crazy idea the other day I was going to save away, and I've since forgotten. That's, well, the, that's the one bad thing about Crackpot's Corners in this show, though, isn't it? Because now we're like, okay, we got to wait to use this for, you know, when we, next time we record. And then who knows when we do it. Listener feedback. So, we had our first drumroll account. Email! Ta-da! I feel like you're saying that strong man's voice. Email. That is a great rendition. Okay, so <laughs> we had our first email by uh, our uh, longtime listener and uh, frequent contributor. Con- frequent con- contributor, uh, Nathan Marshan, emailed us. He suggested two ideas for future themes, and all we will tell you is that we have decided to take one of them for next episode. You'll just have to wait. You'll just have to wait. And, not, and the second we might end up using it at some point, uh-huh. but... But don't don't feel bad if even though Nathan has beat everyone to getting the first email, you can send us the second. And if you're not first, you're last. I mean, you're just as good. <laughs> so I think, and then Nathan also left a very long and uh, multifaceted comment on the boards about magic, which is worth reading. And I need to actually get back and answer the second half of it. Yeah, there's a lot there in which we didn't get to, which. But we're not going to yet because we got a lot of ground to cover today. So, but it's a good comment. Good reading. Good reading. Oh, and then we have an announcement. Yes. We're coming up really rapidly on our 18th episode. I'm sorry. Well, this All is right. our 18th episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're here, Tim. We made it. Yay. No, we're coming up very rapidly on our 20th episode, which will also commemorate our first year of podcasting. And so for that anniversary, we thought we're going to have something special, and we thought it'd be fun to get some audio segments from some of our listeners and maybe some people who have already been on the podcast. So if you have something you always want to say, you want to contribute to an old conversation, you just want to, you know, rave and rant about the most recent movie, whatever, hopefully it's vaguely related to something we've talked about at some point. Basically, Uh, make make this your time. For it's going to, a lot of it will be kind of, you know, I meant to say this, and but now is now is your chance. So if you to want to get it. your two cents in on something Tim and I have discussed, this is the time to do it. Don't make it much more than a minute, but in any sort of audio file, send it to us at our email, which is uh, derailedtrains at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we'd be more than happy to uh, add it to episode 20. So you can be heard by all the tens of people that listen. Dozens, even. Dozens. Yeah, nay, dozens. <laughs> All right, so we'll remind you about that at the end of the podcast as well. I think we'll just go ahead and jump straight into Story School. So, Story School today, we we threw around lots of different ideas for this particular episode. We have quite a number, a list of things we want to talk about, but nothing sounded good. 
And then I throw out the idea of talking about tragedies. Something bad. Something bad. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to talk about tragedies. And I think for the sake of this discussion, we're going to count a tragedy as any major instance in a movie, a book, play, where bad, undeserved things happen to good people. Or sometimes deservedly bad things, but... You you don't want it to happen. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I'll go ahead and start off with Aristotle mentioned when he's talking about, I think it's in Poetics, talking about how you make a, a tragic figure in Greek plays. And we're going to expand past that. But he talks about the fatal flaw, where you give a, someone who's mostly noble some blind spot or some particular flaw that you can understand, but causes their downfall, and then you, you weep for them because they were mostly a good person, but this one thing caused their downfall. In um, Oedipus Rex... I think it's pride, not listening to the prophecies. I'm not actually sure what the text... It's been a long time since I've read Oedipus Rex. But in Shakespearean plays, in like Othello, it's jealousy. In Macbeth, it's ambition. That sort of thing. Where you you know, you know you want the character to succeed, but you know because of this one thing, everything's going to unravel and poof. It's interesting. I, I have to admit, I've not read a whole lot of Shakespeare. I just recently read and watched the most recent adaptation of Hamlet, which you had talked about some time ago on here, Nick, I think, about the David Tennant Oh, and, I think it did. You're right. And um, Picard. Picard. Yeah. I was to <laughs> Patrick Stewart, that's his name, that both of them were in. But it's interesting because I'm not sure I see the, Arist- the Aristotelian? Aristotelian. I think Aristotelian. Yeah. Aristotelian flaw that, that you're talking about in, in Hamlet. Because in a sense, Hamlet to me seems like it's a lot of a particular act of... Sin, in a sense, the the king murdering and taking his brother's throne and all, that in effect it kind of spirals. It's like a big spiral downward until essentially most of the castle is going mad. It seems like <laughs> Hamlet's racked with you know concerns. Ophelia loses her father and she goes mad, and then the very end is like whole world's gone mad because like everybody seems to be dying yeah like hey let's have a let's have a sword fight and we'll poison one of them and then everyone will die (laughs) i guess if hamlet has a fatal flaw it's the fact that he's so overwracked with feeling and so much so to an extent that he it kind of paralyzes him yeah and hamlet i'm i'm far from being a shakespearean expert but Hamlet is a strange, and I'm not sure if it's quite, you know, quite in what we're going to talk about for tragedy today. But it is strange because it, it doesn't follow. Hamlet's a weird character. He talks a lot. He does very little. <laughs> uh-huh. I've read people say that that's kind of our our first modern or postmodern play, a hero that's examining himself. Most of the conflict he has is his own awareness of his own inabilities to do things. Well, it was an interesting thing. Uh, Hyper-consciousness, I think, is what they talk about in Dostoevsky. Okay. I mean, it was an interesting thing to read in the sense that while I was reading the play, I kept thinking, man, Hamlet does not strike me as the typical Hollywood protagonist at all. Because a big thing about a typical Hollywood protagonist is that they're very driven. They're very goal-oriented. They have a vision for what they want to do. And in one hand, you would, it seems like Hamlet would have that. You know, he wants revenge for his father's murder. But he spends so much time in just trying to figure out, what should I do? Is it better to live or die? Life is pain. What do I do in this? And he spends so much time in this kind of, like you said, existential quandary with himself that in the end, what happens, it's not really his initiative. I mean... His initiative really only goes as so far as to confirm for himself that the ghost was telling the truth and that the king was guilty. But the very the denouement, the climax, is spurred by the villain. It sense. Hamlet. I, I'm still not sure what Hamlet had planned to do after he returned <laughs> to the castle. It's I, I don't haven't quite figured out what his plan was because he just gets into the sparring match and that's it. It's almost because there's a lot of passages about the sinfulness of the world, how twisted everything is. It's like a person looking at that and having no idea how to even begin tackling mm-hmm. justice in a in a world where bad things happen for no good reason. Which is kind of the, the whole idea of tra- tragedy is that bad things happen maybe for a reason, but in a way that you're like, but this isn't the ending we wanted. Yeah. And for him, I guess, that's not the ending he wanted. I mean, by the end, maybe you're sick of him. <laughs> but. Well, but I mean... 
it is different from a typical protagonist, but I think it also strikes very true to real life. I mean, how many of us facing something new or something unexpected or something that they're, you know, stressing over, we just kind of whine and try to figure out what we're going to do next and are more racked with guilt rather than, in that sense, Hamlet is really a much more like us than your typical Hollywood hero. That's that is very true. Because Hollywood heroes, like you said, always they make a decision immediately. You know, their parents die and they become Batman. Yeah. Where, you know, normally <laughs> the parents die and they're messed up for the rest of their life. Yeah. Um, well, which Batman is. Well, but... okay, granted. But they don't become crime fighters either. Yeah, most, yeah. They become more like people from um, Watchmen. That is very true. <laughs> That's Speaking of tragedy. Yeah. We're not quite, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Then we'll come back maybe to Watchmen and other things. Okay, yeah. Here's a question. I used to have these discussions back in college saying, from a Christian point of view, generally you want to end, maybe not a happy ending, with a hopeful ending, because that's how Christians view the world. Even when bad things happen, we talked about this in our uh, in our Villains podcast. Hmm, yeah. You know, when bad things happen, there's an eventual good ending. You know, eventually God wins in, the, in our biblical story. But what is the place, do you think, of having things not end well? Well, it's interesting you phrase the question in that way, because I do remember there was a period of time in high school where I was I was kind of against unhappy endings to a certain extent. I think my stance was kind of, you know, there's enough pain and suffering in this world. Why should I watch a movie or read a book about these characters that's not going to be uplifting, that's going to make me come out of it feeling depressed at the end? Why do I want to subject myself to this? Especially since, like you said, in the end, my Christian belief tells me that there is hope and that in the end, evil will be punished and good will prevail. Why do I want to do this? And I think it was until in college. I, strangely enough, I kind of think Cowboy Bebop was sort of instrumental in making me kind of reevaluate my views on this because Cowboy Bebop kind of got around my defenses. Because, you know, a lot of times, and we may talk more about this later, but a lot of times you get this kind of air of pretentiousness of movies that end unhappily. Like, this is more real life. And so you become kind of aware of that, and you're not going to watch those movies. Whereas in anime, I love animation. It's going to be, it's a story meaning that I can, you know, I, I want to experiment with. And so I think it was very interesting when Cowboy Bebop has a very unhappy, tragic ending trying to deal with that. Okay, well, why did they do this? Why did, you know, why did they... And what I kind of came away with was, I think as you grow up, you do sort of come to internalize a lot of, you know, the grief that our world is really messed up. And to not tackle that honestly in a story sometimes... I mean, to not have any stories that tackle that honestly, I think would be a big oversight. You look in the Bible, there are some stories that ended very unhappily. Yeah particularly in Judges or in the books of history. <laughs> oh, Judges. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to remember now what, you, what your original question well, was. Well, no, I, th I think you covered it because I've come around too. I, I used to be that most things are end hopefully. And I think probably the majority of my work probably will. But I'm certainly not against tackling real, having things end badly. I think personally when I write them, I want them to end badly and then to say something about this situation you know mm -hmm. it ha and badly why and then you can go back and look oh it's because this or that or this that decisions a person made i think that's what shakespeare tries with like othello obviously everything ends badly because you got your this is the flaw that happened and so i think i think tragedy can be a really powerful medium to to say it's like a backhanded way of talking about the world or maybe maybe good happy ending the back way of talking about the world um, I don't know, but where you're you're making a point by saying this is the negative version in mm. some ways. Mm -hmm. You brought up another interesting point that I wanted to tackle, and why or do you think that tragic stories are inherently more literary? They tend to be viewed that way. I do think they tend to be viewed that way, and I I don't think it necessarily should be, but I'm not sure how to get around that. I think one reason why they're considered more literary is. Well, again, for one thing, you don't always see happy endings. So to a certain extent, if you're making a, a sad or tragic ending, then it indicates to some people that you're not necessarily just pandering to the masses. Well, I was going to say that tragedy or, or tragic situations tend to be, I won't tend to be, but I think they appear more realistic, mm -hmm. more how things work. Where happy endings, and partly because there's been lots of movies that will take the cheap way to a happy ending, right, are contrived. Mm-hmm. Now, 
really good happy endings aren't contrived. They're natural upbringings. Right. But I think it's easier to write a natural, a naturally tragic story. Than one that people will say, ah, oh, you pulled some sleight of hand to to, to make us, you, yeah. You, yeah, you tricked us to make us feel sad for this person. It's not that hard to make someone feel sad for a person. Mm. If you put it in that way, that's interesting that a really good, happy ending is actually harder to pull off than a tragic one, which is I, an interesting point. I think it's probably true. I think it's probably foreign to most of ours actual experience. Now, on the other hand, I can also see how, you know, in a regular story that ends well, you often have a climax where it seems like everything could go really bad. I also think in some of the really best tragedies, you also have a moment where it looks like everything might turn out for the best. But they don't. But they don't. I think that's yeah. a great. I think that's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking we we mentioned way back. I think in our villains podcast about Lando Malari and his arc, mm. which is very tragic. And there's multiple times during his journey where he could have changed. He could have done something different. Yeah. Now it's a tragic partly because at the end he realizes, but it's too late to make much of a difference. Mm -hmm. Which is a is a classic way to make a tragic ending where it becomes too late. They they realize too late. Something. The Bridge on the River Kwai has an ending a lot like that, which I don't think you've seen it yet. I haven't yet seen it yet. No. I'm sure Brian will bring it up in some of the selections, but that happens in that one too. I really like that. The the late and the, and the possible good ending turning bad. Because I guess we know it's going to be bad from the beginning. It just kind of beats you down. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some tragedies or some stories that are just, it's constantly one bad thing after another. And like, what's the purpose of this? You don't even see a hope of anything happening. Mm -hmm. It's just like you're being... Beat across the head. Natasha saw Winter's Bone, and I guess it feels like that. Really? Um, I've not seen the movie, but she says it just, it's just a horrible situation through the whole thing. You never feel any good towards it. Mm -hmm. You know, that reminds me, what was, I saw a movie recently which had a, a ray of hope at the end, but, oh, Magnolia. A lot of people love Magnolia, especially uh, people who enjoy independent film types. And I have to say, I mean, it's a very daring movie. It's like one of these, it's like, it's a three hour long movie made in like 2000. It's got all these people's stories interweaving. A lot of people say it was kind of the inspiration for uh, Crash. Crash is a lot like it. You know, all these stories where these people's lives are loosely related, but they all have a, a specific theme. But it's, it's hard. It was hard for me to get through just because all these people's lives just sucked. <laughs> I mean, and at the very end, there's this miracle and there's, it's like this ray of hope. But for me, I'm like, is it really going to change their lives? When you, when you've been kind of wallowing through that all, you know, this whole time, it, it's hard to say, you know, whether a single instance could change it aside from, you know, actual conversion, which you, it was short of that, obviously, because it wasn't a Christian film, but but I think even in Hamlet, you see there's some instances where you kind of get a glimpse. Maybe not that everything is going to turn out well. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but there, you get some glimpses sometimes of well, what might have happened if because like right before their right before their duel, Hamlet and Laertes kind of shake and make up at least for the incident at the graveside. And even in the midst of the duel, Laertes has a moment of of regret, and you're kind of like, well, could this have been avoided? Probably not, but if only. Oh, yeah. Well, I have several things, but I guess mentioning that, one of my favorite, I guess, tragic movies was uh, Brazil. <laughs> You've told me many times Brazil was very memorable. Brazil impacted me quite a bit, and Brian will be happy to hear that because he, he gave it to me um, to watch. But the interesting thing about Brazil, it's a, it's a dark comedy, very dark in some ways. And the ending, the, the director... Terry Gilliam? Terry Gilliam, thank you. Director said, and the writer, said that it's one of those endings that, well, anyways, at the end, it's a dystopian, just a whole, you know, it's, a, it's gone wrong, and he's trying to escape from it, he's trying to make changes, and it doesn't happen, obviously. But he escapes by basically going mad, or by having part of a lobotomy, basically. So the, the sad ending is the happy ending for the main character, that... He then gets to live in a better world because half his mind's been taken away. Huh. So it's kind of a messed up ending. Yeah, it's not twisted. Now, is that the director's cut? Because I, I think that didn't that version have several different. Yeah, it's the it's the it, that's a good cut. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it was one of those where it's tragic because you wanted him to succeed in doing what he wanted to do, but the writer at least claims that that's the only way you could see of him actually escaping a world like this. Hmm. Because he was always trying to escape from this very bureaucratic 
absurd world into this world of fantasy and dreams. And I got a lot of different ideas. I'm not sure where I'm going with them yet. <laughs> You're not sure how they all connect. How they all point. connect. Yeah, it, this, this, this topic's hard because I, I don't necessarily know how they all connect. It's just ideas I have. Uh-huh. I guess here's the other thing. Do you think there's a difference? And I, I think there probably is. Between a tragic thing that happens due to the person's own something about themselves as opposed to something happening randomly for an outside source. I mean, like, here's my, here's my biggest gripe on the outside source thing, which I think is hard to pull off realistically. I mean, in a way that doesn't come off like, life's random, mm-hmm. you know, suck it up. A separate piece, the book I read in eighth grade, did not like it at all. And at the end, one of the characters dies from falling down the stairs, breaking his leg, and bone marrow gets in his bloodstream. And you're like, and I don't, maybe, maybe some symbolism that makes sense now when I'm older. All I remember is in completely random, like, that's how you're going to end your book? <laughs> that sounds a lot like, actually, my reaction to Vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, and that's explained. <laughs> okay, well, all right. I know people, some people love Vertigo. I can't stand it. I mean, the first time was partly my own fault. I had a different interpretation of what Jimmy Stewart was doing in the second half of the movie. But the second time when I was watching through, to me, Vertigo is like, there's a difference sometimes between whether a filmmaker achieves an effect, which I think Hitchcock achieved an effect very well, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's an effect that I care to watch or go through <laughs> and I think is has any kind of value. Because to me, Vertigo at demands a lot of its audience without giving back anything in return except frustration. It's a crazy mind game kind of movie. A lot of it is delving into the, the psyche of the main character. But... It's not a pleasant journey. And the ending, the girl's just like, they're on top of this tower. He's accusing her of helping, of involving him in this whole murder plot. And this person in robes shows up. And the girl who's been so terrified and kind of traumatized by this accusation, she kind of takes a step backwards and she falls out of the tower. I'm like, what? <laughs> it was just a nun coming in. And it was like this, so it was this dark figure. She, so people was like, she saw death coming or something. I'm like... Why? <laughs> like, she just takes a step backwards, she falls off, Jimmy Stewart looks down, and that's the end. What was the purpose of that? A- I learned nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have to agree with you. I think generally, I, I, I'll disagree with someone Vertigo, but <laughs> in general, I think the, the tragic that just comes randomly, like, at the last minute, something jumps out or pushes you off or lightning strikes, mm-hmm. generally seems kind of cheap. I mean, I'm sure it's done well some ways but maybe that's the the that's the tragic version of the happy ending of nowhere uh-huh. it's like the, the the idea that life is just out to kill you and this world is harsh and terrible yeah, which only actually works in final destination yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently yeah they've made what five movies out of that yeah. concept well, but, that, but that's the whole con i mean and a lot of i think a lot of horror movies are like that which is why i won't go to them <laughs> Because it's just a bad situation that you really only go through for the chills and there's not much else to it. I remember, some, some everyone's following, I don't know if you should bring Battlestar up again. Um, <laughs> do it, do it. I mean, I, I tempted fate I, by criticizing Hitchcock. So. So, <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but it seems like occasionally horrible things would happen just because that's what well, happened in the world. Mm-hmm. I just remember the beginning of one episode where, I can't remember one's name, which is probably horrible. Well, his wife just commits suicide, and there wasn't a... I mean, everything's depressing, I get that, and it was just sort of like, what? Really? And then, you know, and that starts a whole downward spiral for that character. Mm. I, I, I'm sure it was set up some, but I don't know. It just, it just sometimes seems, let's make things as horrible as possible. Because that's dramatic. Because that's dramatic. And I, and I think tragedy needs to have a reason it's sad. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and I think that... If Just like you... a happy ending should have a reason it's happy. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I think it is possible that a story could have a valid reason for the ending to happen outside of the main character's yeah. control. If you're trying to say something about society, about... Uh, I mean, you could be saying something about, you know, if it's the character's fault, it usually says something about human nature. Well, you could but say it... something about, you know, how, the, how you know, the structure of the company's made, or the structure of the society's mm-hmm. made. Or, yeah, I think that's good. Could be about human nature of the other people involved in the story, not just the main. Speaking of uh, things coming out and killing you randomly. <laughs> okay, you've seen Stranger Than Fiction. Yes. Should that have ended unhappily or happily? I mean, at the end, she rewrites it. Mm-hmm. 
and that's kind of the question that whole movie comes up with. Is that dishonest to rewrite the ending? Well, I love that character's... I love her response to when the, auth, to when the uh, professor asks her that. Because she says, basically, it's one thing to to kill off this character when doesn't know anything about it. But if he willingly, if he knows that he's about to die and he goes through with it anyway, well, isn't that the kind of man you would want to save? To me, I think that that kind of answers the question. And Stranger the Fiction is about, well, it's about a number of things, but it, it's among, one thing it's about, it's about a man finding purpose beyond his mundane life. Well, and I think it works the happy ending because it's like you point out, it's also about that writer finding purpose beyond just these tragic... Because all she was writing was tragic stories. Yeah, so, I mean, I suppose the... Who is it? Dustin Hoffman mm-hmm. character, the teacher, could say, literally, shouldn't he have stayed dead? It makes more sense. Da, 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 da. But because we're watching the movie about the writer writing the book, mm. it makes more sense yeah. for her to make the change. Mm-hmm. And she acknowledged that she was going to have to go back and make revisions that yeah. she changed Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but... So, changed ending. Other other movies that you think that ended either badly, that you thought they could have just pushed a little farther and would have been happy, or happy ones that should have stopped about five minutes earlier. Uh, Here, here's my example. I was going to say, you're putting me on the I, I got two examples. Okay. Um, one is Limitless, which my wife just watched. Okay. It's about this drug that lets you use all, like, 100% of your brain, but it has a lot of addictive properties, and it, because it's rare, people are always trying to hunt you down, be they want it. And I only watched the last half of those grading papers or something. But at the end, he's down to his last one, and he does the, the you know, he's barely getting killed. It's a couple years later, he's figured out how to make more. And he's a politician, and the this guy in charge of the drug company comes and says, look, we just took over your stash. You're going to work for me now. And I thought it should have ended there, because then it shows that this drug, which the whole movie has been showing, has, as good as it is, has side effects and things. You can't get away like a Twilight Zone ending, mm-hmm. you know, where there's that twist at the end, like, oh, no. But what they did then is they moved it a little farther, and then the, the main character said, oh, you might have destroyed my stash, but I got off it a while ago, and I, I had tweaked it so that I could keep all the powers without using the drug. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a happy ending, but is that what you want to say, that... That this drug that the whole movie's kind of like, is it good, is it bad? You just tweak it, keep all the benefits without any of the responsibility? Uh-huh. I just, I thought it should have ended five minutes earlier. It would have been a cool Twilight Zone twist ending. Because I think sometimes bad endings are that sort of sickening twist, but you take secret joy out of because it kind of hit you on the side of the face. Mm-hmm. The other one is AI. I, I like how it ended, but I always joke that there's a Kubrick ending and then there's a Spielberg ending. <laughs> If you've seen AI, it's, a, it's the story of Pinocchio done with in the future with a robot. Really, really good movie. I mean, I really enjoy it. But there's this moment where the robot, Halo Joe Osment, I forget what the robot's name is, is begging this fake blue fairy from like Coney Island to make him a real boy. And it kind of just pans out and fades out then. And that would have been the Kubrick ending, I think. I mean, I don't know. And then, <laughs> and then it jumps like 10,000 years in the future, and everything's frozen, aliens find the boy and give him a little happy ending. Which I'm glad of because it would, have been, it would have broken your heart to have the other thing be the ending. Uh-huh. But I could see some people crying foul on possibly. Mm. Yeah, I could see. It. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it does seem kind of like a little deus ex machina. Like, but um, yeah. Look, not a horrible, 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 depressing ending. Well, I did manage to think of two. I don't, I don't remember if it exactly answers your question, but two worthy of discussion. First was one that I think was kind of divisive ending, and that would be for Unbreakable, which is a mostly happy ending until you find out in the twist ending at the end that one of the characters was actually a villain that set the whole thing up. I think it's a very, I think it's a valid ending. I think it, it holds true with the philosophy that's expressed in the movie. I agree, and it holds true to the to the comic book feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, best friends are always worst enemies in a comic book. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I agree. I think I could see how you would be like, and I, and but wait, I, you just turned it bad. But and and I know someone at Regent who said that he was just infuriated by that movie, like he stood up in the theater and screamed or something because he thought it, it invalidated all the the good that Bruce was. But I was like. I know I don't really agree with the yin-yang philosophy, but that is kind of what they were expressing through all the time. So I thought it made sense. The other one I would case I've heard of with an alternate ending 
that I don't know if they actually ever filmed, but the lead actor wanted to, was Terminator Salvation with Christian Bale. I don't know if you know this story. But I guess an original ending, because in the end, I think there's this Terminator robot that had been programmed to do good. And at the end, he sacrifices himself, I think, to give John Connor more life because John Connor's his leader. I think the twist ending that had been proposed at one time was that John Connor would actually have been suddenly infused with Terminator technology. And so basically it would have meant that he had been, it was all a ploy to get cybernetics oh. in him. And so then that means the evil robot company was... Of Skynet. Skynet. So in the end, Skynet would have won, which I think would have been a terrible ending. I mean, that's <laughs> it's like it's like a middle finger kind of at the very end of the whole Terminator franchise. Because, because I think audiences maybe we're gonna wrap up with this i think audiences if they're gonna put up with a with a tragedy that they're gonna sit through something because most people want to go to a movie and have it be better than real life mm-hmm. and reading a book especially and, if and you're putting book. all exactly. that time and into reading it. a book i think if they're gonna put up with an ending where the main character dies or is horribly maimed or loses what they care most about they're gonna want a reason yeah besides just like and the bad guys win mm-hmm. or the world's horrible, unless you're writing, like, Camus or something. Which is, inc- incidentally, one reason why I don't really have much interest in seeing Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Because, I mean, isn't a prequel, don't you already know that apparently monkeys take over the planet? It's never a concept I've been interested in. <laughs> but, but I no, I, I agree. I mean, I think you can have a very, you know, tragic, sad ending if there's a reason for it. And if you're trying well, to say something worthwhile. Yeah, and I, I think, I think then... I mean, some examples, we, we mentioned Londo. He has a very Londo. sad ending. I think probably just about any of Shakespeare's tragedy. And, and Cowboy Bebop is a great... Cowboy Bebop, um, maybe to say, wait, Evangelion really shouldn't have a good ending? No, no, it really shouldn't. I mean, it doesn't It doesn't make any sense with anything else that happened, at least yeah. in the way the TV show ran. I don't know right. how the how the new series is going to run. Maybe the it'll new... set some, some stuff up for a good ending. Possibly. Um, I mean, we, we've only seen the one, so who knows? I think tragedy is certainly a, a valid format. I don't think anyone would argue that. But I think it has a lot of possibilities sometimes I haven't fully experimented with. You've done some in like, flash fiction. I've done some flash fictions. Natasha's done some with, um, in Story Project, Katrina's story is very tragic. There's some glimmer of hope, but it's it's not the fairy tale ending you would you want. It's, obviously, it's it's clear her story is still going to go on after the project well, is you over. Know, and I, I guess I'll mention this. I think tragic um, American audience are more willing to put up with tragic endings in a in an episodic show hmm. where one one or two episodes might end horrible, but you know there's always another installment possible. Like we've been watching Stargate Universe, and occasionally there'd be very ambiguous or slightly like uh endings, mm-hmm. but you're not like beat down by them because. You got next week. Yeah, I think Battlestar most time ran like that in a good way. That makes sense, and I think a lot of crime dramas. Not like crime dramas. I, I think certainly. Well, it was like the one lost episode where Libby gets killed by. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Nikki and Paula. No, well, that's, <laughs> that's almost as funny as tragic. Yeah, um, that's it's true. like you're like, ha, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Hurley's having the picnic. He's finally working courage to go out with his girl, and she oh, gets yeah. shot. Yeah, like completely accidental. And you're just like. And that's one of those where the accidental thing works because it plays out later. Yeah. You know, there's there's ramifications. Right. But if it just happens and it's the end. Yeah, if that was the end of the show, man, that would stop. I think tragic ramifications are very fertile ground. Mm-hmm. That's key. Yeah, that's key. So, that's what I've got. <laughs> All right, that's, that's what we got. So, they've got a place if they have a reason. I guess send us in your, uh, just in comments, wherever. tell us your favorite tragic movies. Yeah, or, or movies that you wish would have ended earlier and been tragic. Or differently and been happy. If that's possible, yeah. Yeah. All right, I think we're ready to move on. All right, so first off, uh, soundtrack. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Okay, for my soundtrack today... I decided to go with something from Kingdom Hearts. Well, again, won't be able to use the whole thing because it's not a remix, unfortunately. But it's a it's a beautiful song. This is it first premiered in the final mix version of Kingdom Hearts 2, the like Japanese only release. But I, I familiarize it more with the DS game 358 over two days, which I have from now on just called 358 days because that's so much a better title. 
would have been. But, which is, in my view, arguably the saddest of the Kingdom Hearts series. I mean, it's very melancholy throughout. I mean, Birth by Sleep ends with some sad things, but there's also some ray of hope. The thing with 358 Days is that you kind of already know the ending, and so there's, there's this kind of foreboding sense over the whole game. Plus, Roxas is one of a long line of squared characters that are not technically supposed to exist. Not in the sense that they were their creation in the game was an accident, but that in the game universe, their very existence was an accident, which leads to a lot much sadness and angst and emotiveness. But it also leads to some beautiful music in this case. This is called The Other Promise by the wonderful Japanese composer Yoko Shimamura. And that was The Other Promise. Pretty good. I'll listen to it when this podcast comes out. <laughs> All right, so next up is our take on Tales. So we decided to do a special take on Tales. It's been actually a couple of episodes since we've done one of these. No, that's true. Oh, wait. No, we did Lay Man's not too long ago. Two episodes ago? Okay. I well, well, 15? I don't remember now. So, anyways, we decided to do a special one. We're going to kind of do a wrap-up of summer movies. Ta-da, yeah, Ta-da. it's the end of August, and summer is probably the time, I don't know about you, Nick, but it's probably the time I go to the theater most often. Yeah, I think I think so. I think around right around November, December, depending if we're having a kid or not. Yeah. Do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because, you know, it's the time when most of the movies that are the most fun to see on the big screen are out. And this year, we had four superhero movies. So yeah, there was crazy. And I don't think that, actually, the whole summer season, I don't know that there was any one that stuck out as being the best or necessarily the worst. Of course, Nick and I, we haven't seen all of them. Have you not seen... I'm, I'm talking about summer movies in general. Oh, summer movies. Yeah, we're not we're not voracious movie watchers or yeah. goers. But we did, see a lot of the big ones. Yeah, but I did see I did see all four some or all four superhero films. So let's year. start with which was the first one? Thor? 
Thor was the first. Which I gotta say, incidentally, this summer was probably the summer of superheroes that you never expected to actually get movies. <laughs> with, with the exception of X-Men. But Thor was, yeah, Thor was different. It was new and fun. I expected I, I expected very little from Thor. I knew nothing and never seen a preview. I went and watched it and I thought, this is a lot of fun. I did not know Thor could be that fun of a movie. <laughs> I mean, same here. I knew nothing about Thor. And it was really interesting to see a superhero movie with deities. And wow, that's something I had never been done before. I mean, Asgard was great. Loki was a great character. Mm -hmm. I really liked him. I think the only complaint I would have about it is that I thought Thor's conversion or change from being really selfish to being really helpful in servitude seemed like it happened awfully suddenly. I'm like, wow, he was on Earth for like two days and he completely <laughs> changed his personality. <laughs> and I was happy sometimes. Sometimes I'm cautious of anything where you have the one person from the outside go into modern times. Mm -hmm. It's been done a lot. Yeah. I thought they did it really well in a way that was kind of, I mean... Some of it was old, was kind of old version, but it was it felt fresh, it felt new and fun. And for the most part, it wasn't overdone. I mean, they yeah. did, they did the fish out of water bit, but it they didn't seem stale or like they were taking cheap jokes. With yeah, that, for the most I, part. I, and him smacking the the plate or the uh, or the cup on the ground, breaking it was. I just thought that was great. Uh, yeah, and him that. drinking like <laughs> more. <laughs> I kind of wish we knew more about the, his companions. I mean, you don't have time to move like that, but yeah, it was fun. I wonder if the that's a good question. I wonder if his human companions, sidekicks, love interests. I wonder if they'll appear in the Avengers at all. Well, that'd be interesting. No, I mean they're I don't know they're paying so much for the actual heroes themselves. It'll be interesting if they can afford Natalie Portman again. That's true. So and I didn't even know she was in it when I went to go see. I knew nothing. <laughs> wow. So you obviously don't follow entertainment websites much. I don't actually. Very very seldom. Unless you like, I get a link to it. Or, yeah. or my brother's like, you have to watch this preview. But I would give it a pretty solid good popcorn movie. Yeah, definitely. Should we give it some sort of rating? <sighs> I guess so. What kind of ratings are we giving them? I don't know. Stars? Uh, thumbs? Uh, Pirate? Marshmallows? Marshmallows. Oh, <laughs> mar <laughs> marshy! <laughs> it gets uh, five train tracks. <laughs> Four out of five hammers. <laughs> that was really lame. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I give it a, a four for a good old fun. Maybe three. I see. I don't. I'm no good at rating because <laughs> all I know is that I enjoyed it and I'd tell you to go see it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair enough. So then, what was next? I think next would have been X Men. X Men First Class, which I really enjoyed. Uh, the the prequel. I didn't. I didn't care about some of the continuity problems. I yeah. I kind of threw that out. I didn't. The continuity problems kind of bugged me after the fact. But it was. I mean, again, another. All the superhero movies were fun. This one was very enjoyable. And I will say one thing about X Men in particular. Sometimes you get the feeling that in these superhero movies that they're kind of cutting costs. Like they're not quite as cool as they would be in the comics because they've got budget restrictions. But honestly, I this is what film where I felt they were using every character to their fullest, and that's. Probably one of the best, you know, compliments you can one of the best compliments you can give uh, ensemble superhero movie. Yeah, because ensembles are hard because there's so many characters and you want them all to do cool stuff. And and you're right, most of them did cool things and, and you they, they they got a lot of characters in there I hadn't seen for a while. You know, Havoc and Banshee and mm -hmm. I wanted to see more Darwin, but he got killed in like. Yeah. I just thought that was I had never heard of him. I don't keep it with modern Marvel anymore, but I thought that was a great power. He just defended himself. And I knew uh, some people online were like, they killed off the token black guy right away, <laughs> like they always do. Sorry. That's strange. I mean but, I don't know I don't know if they even think like that. <laughs> I don't know. I and I, I really I don't think it's at all canonical, but I really enjoyed the Mystique Professor X. That thing. was that was interesting. But I do have to kind of agree with some other critiques. They're like, why did she leave him? So, I mean, she grew up with this guy, and she's like, ha, I like this other guy better. I'm going to yeah, the, so my new boyfriend. Some, at near the end, some of the Magneto-Mystique thing seemed a little rushed. I kind of felt like the whole ending was a little rushed, which if there was a main weakness in this movie, it was the ending. Because it created a lot of continuity problems, but also sort of surprising in the sense that the whole... Magneto and Professor X story, there was still fertile ground there. I mean, they could have spent a whole nother movie off of this concept of doing prequels. Well, I think I think a lot of superhero movies, well, I don't know of just them, but they have great setups, especially when you're introducing new characters, which this prequel kind of did. Mm -hmm. Or at least an origin story. Yeah. I think origin stories have the weakness sometimes. of They have great getting you into the characters and you seeing how they grow, but then you have to have some sort of big climactic ending, sometimes before... It's warranted. 
I yeah. think. Especially an origin story. It's sort of like they felt like they had to get it wrapped up by the end of this movie, or they thought audiences would be confused or something. A more, a more yeah. ambiguous ending might have really played well in I think this. I think so, because, I mean, as it is, it's hard to see why exactly Magneto and Professor X were on such good terms for so long, because it didn't seem like they were friends long enough to build up that same kind of ambiable relationship. Yeah. So that was complete. And then just kind of the fact, as someone who didn't really grow up with reading X-Men, I kind of feel like all X-Men movies are sort of about the same thing. Well, they kind of are, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it would be fun to see an X-Men movie that was about... Because, I mean, I know they're not all... I mean, a lot of it is about prejudice and stuff, but they also battle aliens and other stuff, too. That's what Fantastic Four is supposed to do. Yeah. But it <laughs> but never have. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be a fun change for X Men to not be about prejudice for a change. Well, that's true. I guess it gives it a, a subtext that gives a little more weight. Yeah, that's true. Um, Next would be Green La Green Lantern. Oh, we're gonna do all the superheroes first. I figure that's just oh yeah, superheroes. I have category. not seen Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, my my parents. I'll just throw this in here. Really liked it. Yeah, I I felt it was it was a fun. It's a fun film. I do not think it deserved a bad tomato meter reading. It got. I think that was very much uncalled for. I might admit that it could very well be the weakest of the superhero movies from this summer, and it pains me to say that because I love Green Lantern. But I think a problem that probably came up with this movie as far as some people's reactions to it, I think it is weakened a bit by it being an origin story, like you commented. I think Hal Jordan as a character works better as an established hero than in his origin story, personally. And that's true in the comics, too. Because what you've got is this guy, before he becomes a Green Lantern, He's a jet fighter pilot, and yet he's also dealing with fears and hesitation because his father died doing the same profession. But at the same time, it's kind of a hard situation to empathize with because most people think, oh, jet fighter pilot, you're pretty fearless. You've got, you know, you can handle this stuff. And a lot of, big part of Hal's origins arc is dealing with fear and not having fear. And so it's, it seems kind of incongruous are you afraid or are you not afraid so i think it's harder especially when you get someone like ryan reynolds who's naturally handsome it's not like you have peter parker who is this nobody yeah but i think i really loved the fights i thought i thought it was well written it's certainly not to my mind it wasn't a case where they were just trying to make you know money off of superhero property obviously i think they want green lantern to, they really wanted to make more green lantern movies and i think they, they could if people will give them a chance because i thought the fighting was fun and I don't think there's a lot of good potential there for more. I, I would like to see it because I don't know a lot about Green Lantern, but what everything I read from him seems very interesting. And just seeing fights with the ring would be Well, yeah, I mean, awesome. you, you can summon shapes. The fights could take any number of... I mean, the possibilities are endless. Now, here's a question. Now they're talking about superhero movies. I wonder... It'd be interesting to do a, a first superhero movie that wasn't origin. Just jump into it. Why not? I mean, has anyone ever done that? That's a fair... I mean, yeah, that's a good question. Because, I mean, a lot of them are like... They, they seem to always have to start somewhere. I mean, even or with... Or as a sequel. Unless it's a sequel. I guess, actually, Thor wasn't really an origin movie at all. No, no. In the sense that... You Not mean, in the sense that he's like, and now I've been born. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was God to be... Oh, I guess he was becoming king. So I guess kind of origin-y. And the, his interactions with Earth. And that that's sense. true. I, just, I think it'd be an interesting experiment, especially with superheroes that are relatively well-known. Like Superman, Spider-Man. But it's still, it's still a case with Thor because, I mean, in a sense, his powers he's, is already established. It's more of like he's growing into a new role rather than, wow, I've got new powers. What do I do with them? Yeah, that's true, which I think adds maybe added to it a little bit. Yeah. Make it a little different. It could be. I, 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 would, I think that would be very valid to make a Superman movie without, you know, starting yeah. with... Because everyone knows who Superman yeah, is. Yeah, just, just throw us in the middle, you know. Which in, the, in media res. Which, incidentally, I think is one possible problem with the upcoming DC reboot universe thing. <laughs> because, like, on the other hand, with one hand, when we talked about when we talk about reboots, I like the idea that they're getting rid of continuity that kind of weighs them down. But on the other hand, we know who Superman is. Yeah. We really need to... And especially since, you know, his story's been told in, like, TV, comics. <laughs> like, how many TV series have we seen? Cartoon. Meet Lois Lane and fall in love and do the same things. Yeah. yeah. But that's a sidetrack. Yeah. <laughs> Um, an actual sidetrack. Right, right. 
Anyway, the last superhero movie was Captain America, which I just oh, saw. Oh, I have not seen either. And I've heard that one's really good. That was fun. You know, that, that one might actually take my vote for my favorite of the summer, actually. And actually, that one makes a lot more sense for an origin story because it's placed in a different time period. And... Mm -hmm. Which was really one of the really fun things about it. I mean, it was a very different kind of set in World War II. I love the setting. Plus, it was just, I mean, it was just really fun. You, I mean... The enemies are these souped-up Nazis, in a sense. So you know that you're getting to very campy territory, but it's it's fun. It's got a lot of heart to it too. So I, that might very well be my favorite of the summer. And I, and I heard uh, Hugo Weaving pretty awesome too. Yeah, yeah, he's well, Hugo Weaving is also always a great bad guy. Yeah, I mean, you add him to a movie, you have a great bad guy. And, <laughs> or Elf. And Tommy Lee Jones was just kind of icing oh, on it. <laughs> that's true. Anything with Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> And it ties in really nice. It got me really excited because there's actually like, because you know how all these Marvel movies have a thing after the credits now. Oh, yeah. This one turned out to be like the first mini teaser for it. I mean, it wasn't just a scene. It started off with a scene, but then it turned into a like actual teaser for the Avengers. Oh, nice. So it's pretty, it's, it got me pretty excited Avengers for it. should be pretty awesome. I mean, that's a great, that's, I love what Marvel's doing with that. I wish DC, problem with DC is that they've got all their, well, it's a good and bad thing, I guess, but they've got all their property rights are tied up with one studio, Warner Brothers, whereas Marvel has been doing all these other things on different studios. Although Marvel, I think the Marvel studios themselves have been doing, getting ready for this Avengers thing, so maybe that doesn't really apply. So never mind what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, other good, uh, Super 8. Super 8. Super 8 was a fabulous movie. Yeah. That might take my favorite movie of the summer. Yeah, yeah it, it'd be hard to argue with. Because it was just, I mean, it had, it had all the energy of Goonies, it had all the crazy monster stuff at Cloverfield. Mm -hmm. It had some good cinematography. Inter I mean, different sort of story. I mean, it's still an alien story. Well, and, I mean, I think the, the funny thing about Super 8 is that I don't know if you could pick out any one piece that was wholly unique to it. I mean, kids running around having adventures, that screams 80s yeah. stuff. Monster story. You know, but it's the combination of all the parts and putting kind of a fresh coat of paint on it, and it makes it so much fun. Yeah, and all the all the parts worked really well together. Even like throwaway characters in the background were yeah. great. I mean, like like sisters arguing that like have nothing to do with the plot at all. Uh -huh. And I and I definitely saw some people use the phrase "mints" for a few weeks on Facebook. Yeah, afterwards. my brother did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's so mint. That's so mint. And yeah, the language was just clever. I mean, the dialogue was witty. Mm -hmm. It, it, was just, it just played at a lot of different levels really well. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, and that's always fun when you find a movie. Can, it, it plays, you know, to the, your action level and to your emotional level and to, it just, you know, it's just, it's quirky. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel quite like anything else. Yeah. Now, did you see any uh, animated movies this summer? You know what? I don't know that I have. You know, it struck... But you saw Winnie the Pooh, right? I saw Winnie the Pooh. I did not get to see Cars... I have not seen Cars 2 yet. I have not yet, either. Which is kind of shocking that there was a Pixar movie out that I have not gone to I'm, see. Yeah. Normally, I'm like, get there first week, but I didn't do it for Cars 2. And I, then I heard bad... Not bad things, but lackluster things about it. Which I think might be another, you know, one of these critic things that... Because I've heard from some people whose opinion I really trust that absolutely loved it. Yeah, and so, I don't... I just... I haven't seen it. But it is. I would like to see it. Cars was always one of my lesser favorites of Pixar. I didn't think that's part of the reason I didn't get there. Not because it was bad, it just didn't connect with me in the same way right. some of them do. Yeah, no, yeah, it wasn't, didn't feel like it drove you to the theater. Yeah. And which may no have been... unintended. <laughs> <laughs> which may have been a factor in it getting bad reviews. It is kind of sad that's the first poorly reviewed. That is true. It is. It is kind of sad. Mm -hmm. We'll be out brave next year. Yeah. But Winnie the Pooh was, was really, really good. And... I kind of ranted about this on Facebook the other day, but I was like, why did Winnie the Pooh not make as much money as the Smurfs did? Because from all accounts, the Smurfs was just wretched. And here's the thing. A lot of people think that they've outgrown Winnie the Pooh. Is You know, it was a clever movie. I mean, I took my... my I was interested to go see it, but I had no opportunity. I mean, beautiful animation. I took my 15-year-old sister to and see it. And 2D animation. Yeah, and 2D animation. Which is like... Gold now, rare. Yeah. It's mint. Which, which is one of the, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to see it. Just because you don't get to see hand-drawn animation in theater very much anymore. But I mean, it was funny. We laughed a lot at it, and I mean, it was sure it was sweet, and it was it's going to be perfect for play schoolers. But you know, I think teenagers could enjoy it too. Just to 
And honestly, even if you're not a parent, chances are you might be someday. So, <laughs> so it's it's good practice for that. I need to put that on my list of things to watch. Yeah, we can kind of slip under the radar there in some ways. Well, I read an interesting forum post where someone pointed out, you know, Disney really didn't market it as much as some other stuff. I think this happens with Disney sometimes when they've got two movies coming out kind of close to the same time that they'll focus all their intention on one thing. I think they, they hyped up Cars 2 a lot okay. and didn't give much to It's a shame because sometimes just people not know it because there's so many movies you don't see the ads, you just forget about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and plus someone said Harry Potter was out that weekend, right? Yeah, which, which is true. Which I didn't see. Did, so did I, see? I saw, and I thought I really enjoyed it. I mean, I've read the novels. Um, mm-hmm. and it's been long enough that I don't remember enough details. My brother, who's fanatical about the details... Someone gets mad at the movies. This uh-huh. one he, he liked a good deal, but we were talking about at the end that they really focus and they because they have to for the movie very very strictly on Harry and his two friends because in the books there's just cast of thousands and all of them are interesting, funny backstory sort of people. So when you get to this last one and there's people dying and some of the some of the motion's gone because you didn't have the time invested in them you did in the book, hmm. but. I think was the best way to do it as a movie because it's completely about Harry and Ron and Hermione. Okay. Um, and I, th- I thought it was a good end. I thought it was... I really do think some of the later movies have been cinematically some of the best movies. Yeah, I've heard some people say that the movies just got better as they went on. Which yeah. Which is interesting for a series. And it was it was well-paced. I know some people complain about part one being kind of slow. And it, I enjoyed it. It's not one I would just put in randomly. It is kind of, it's a lot set up and part two is all the payoff. But yeah, I thought it was I thought it was entertaining. I still have to watch. I had hoped to, to go through a marathon of the Harry Potter movies, but I didn't. I was too cheap. I didn't want to just go rent them and pay for them. So I haven't actually gotten around to it yet. Because <laughs> you may guess from my discussion, our discussion last time, I've not actually seen most of the Harry Potter movies yet. So obviously, I did not go to see that one. And then I think the last one I have on my list is Cowboys and Aliens. Oh yeah, that was. Man, I think Cowboys and Aliens, if you think the title, or if you think that, well, yeah, if you think the title and the concept are awesome, then you'll enjoy the movie. Having just read, I read Destroyer. Nathan just, you know, I read my copy. Uh-huh. Very pulpy. Cowboys and Aliens, very pulpy. It's just oh, yeah. about, you know, you got all the cowboy stuff and all the alien stuff, and they smash it together. And mm-hmm. I mean, that was just... It's no big high concept. It's no, it just... Not at all. I mean, it's just... if you, Well, if, I don't care, you know? If you, if, <laughs> if you get excited about a concept of looking at a big screen, look... Look, there's cowboys fighting aliens. <laughs> You'll enjoy it. That's all yeah, you really and, need and to know. And people looking for more were disappointed. Yeah. Which, which I can get. And plus, Harrison Ford. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> there, I love that speech that he was giving to Noah Ringer, the kid, at some point, which ends with him saying, be a man. <laughs> and I kind of leaned over to Joanna and, and Eric when we were watching. It's like, if Harrison Ford tells me to be a man, I'm going to be a man. <laughs> So there was a lot of I was I very rarely went to the movies and was disappointed. No, yeah, def- well, I think part of that is that you have good taste. So. Well, and, and I know what I'm expecting. You know, yeah, I'm going in for normally just some sort of fun, exciting. It seemed like there was some random thing I saw that I haven't talked about, but it probably wasn't one of the big ones. I think I, I think I'm trying to remember. I think I've gone over everything that that I saw because I mean, yeah, I, I stuck with mainly the big blockbuster yeah. stuff. I didn't go see Transformers because I never saw the second one, and yeah, I, did, I didn't see Transformers. Never heard much that really <laughs> urged me to go. <laughs> I didn't really go see any comedies because I don't really care for any the modern cr- comedies are very hit and miss. Yeah, or more miss than hit. Yeah, very much more miss than hit in my opinion, which would make for an interesting podcast topic, possibly. Yeah, so we'll have to think about that too. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll wrap up our uh, take on tales. Mm-hmm. So. Go see movies. Go I see guess is our lesson. And honestly, a lot of you probably see more movies than we have. But <laughs> yeah, if there's something that we missed that you really, really liked, let us know. Or if you think that we're completely off base with something, yeah, tell us and we'll ignore you. <laughs> no, we'd like to hear. Um, X Men is overrated. No, it's not. <laughs> that's just my DC fanboyism coming out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wolverine's probably overrated. Well, okay. But Although his, I, I still enjoy Wolverine despite the fact that he's like in everything. Although his his cameo in this one was kind of humorous. I yeah. <laughs> so I guess we'll move on to uh, contact info. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Okay. First off, just a oh, quick reminder that if you want to record us a little segment, 
don't feel like you have to have, I mean, Nick and I just record this on our laptop microphone, so it's it's pretty easy to do. Just get up quick time and you can record a quick little thing for us. There's something that you wanted to, you'd been meaning to tell us about one of our podcasts, something that we got wrong or that you wanted to include. Something you wanted to add, you just really wanted to butt in, but you were listening and you couldn't get in. Yeah, then uh, go ahead and record that. Send it to us at drilltrains at gmail.com. We'll need it in the next, what, three, four weeks? Something like that, yeah. Oh, from, from the time this comes out, actually, probably a little less than that. Yeah, if you get saved by, um, if you get it to us by September 15th, you'll probably be safe. You, you may have a few days after, but there's something to shoot yeah, for it. Yeah, we, we'd love to have some stuff. And then you can also visit us on our website, derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. We love comments. Come start an argument or a discussion. And even if it's been a while, if you've been catching up, I know sometimes people get behind, which is cool. Don't feel that you can't input because we, we get each comment and we read them all. Yep, we, we make sure we look at the old stuff. And um, subscribe to us on iTunes. Oh, yeah. And actually, if you do, leave a comment on iTunes. That'd be awesome. Just oh, some yeah. Reviews. Some yeah, reviews that would kind of bump yeah, up. Yeah, just today and like, oh, yeah, we don't have any reviews. So. Yeah. So basically, we have a lot of work for you to do. Yes. <laughs> but we'll keep coming out with podcasts, and that's our, our end of the day. Yep. So I guess um, that's it. Oh, I got to introduce my soundtrack. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> yep. I decided I've been wanting to do a soundtrack from AnimeRemix.com, I think. Yeah. I guess. It's it's like Overclocked Remix, except on a much smaller scale. There's only about 100 songs. They're not always quite to the level, Overclocked Remix, but I felt like well, I should do something from there. They have a great Evangelion remix. Called the Ray Four, which is the theme for Ray, who's a horribly tragic character, and the whole show, you know, just uh, isn't every character in Evangelion a horribly tragic character? Yes, except that one, uh, what's his name, is not quite as tragic as the rest of them. Um, what's the? Uh, I don't even remember his name. He, he, he's uh, like Masato's boyfriend. Oh, whoa! But... He, he, he doesn't have personal problems. He gets oh. killed randomly oh, okay, while yeah, he's in his true. garden, like watering the melons or whatever. Okay, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, he's not like Asuka in her bathtub killing herself or Ray who has more than four of herself. But so Ray 4, <laughs> this is remixed by Jeremy Robson, who does a lot of orchestral remixes. He has a great Final Fantasy VII one on Overclocked if you ever go to. Actually, he has a great uh, Kafka one he did with someone else. Hmm. I think, well, is that him? I think it is. But this is Ray 4. I've said like four times now. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. It's kind of a dramatic, symphonic. I really enjoy it. So, this has been Nick. And this has been Tim. Bye. So long. Thanks for all the fish.
You know what's so great about camping? It's intense. <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> so, Tim, I heard. Outside of a dog, a book's a man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. Uh-huh. <laughs> waka, waka, waka. <laughs> Tim, does this phone remind you of anything? Well, it does ring a bell. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, that's comedy.